Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to another rocket episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your all-star host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during a global pandemic. So we have a great episode in store for today, and it is all about sales. How do you sell during a pandemic? How has the sales process changed? What do you have to do differently in order to succeed and close deals? It's all new territory for everybody, and you know, if you're like us, you're pretty much learning on the go. Many people are struggling closing deals right now. We have had to adjust to doing things remotely, not just doing things remotely, but also tracking down people, as even till this day, a lot of office extensions do not work. That could be because the people were laid off, furloughed. Or because they have an antiquated tech system (laughs) at their office and they're unable to forward those calls to phone numbers. A lot of various reasons, but it's hard. I mean, if you're dialing for dollars right now, I do not want to be you. So we're in a time period, though, of rebranding and innovation, a time in which you should be reevaluating how you do business and every aspect of your business down to and including your actual sales cycle. People are more comfortable doing things digitally now. That's the one good thing that came out of this pandemic. The aspect of, oh, you've got to close a deal in person. For the most part, that's out the window. I mean, but we did hear exceptions, you know, like Sandro Pianconi uh, with the hemp industry with what he does, yeah, I guess you've got to do it in person. But with what I do, for example, so my industry with Vision 33, we sell projects valued at hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes even millions. And we're doing that right now without even ever meeting the people personally. It's all through a video chat, just like I'm doing right now, talking to you through YouTube. Same exact thing. We do discovery remote. We do demos remote. We're doing the full-blown implementations remotely. It is the world we live in, and you have to be able to adjust, to pivot, to move forward in order to survive. Today's guest is going to discuss just that. In fact, he is actually from my day job, my main gig over at Vision 33, and he is one of our top sales reps. He's a great personable guy and his name, Jeff Strand. Jeff has a background in sales and technology going back 25 years covering everything from the early days of PPC advertising to cutting edge hardware in the past 16 years in the CRM and ERP space. With a focus on relationships with customers rather than just a sale, no matter what industry is service, Jeff has been successful in selling. The top salesperson in multiple companies to be continually successful with his current employer, Vision 33. Jeff is a graduate of the University of Washington, born, raised, and resides in the Pacific Northwest, where he pursues his hobbies of biking, swimming, collecting wine, and of course, selling. So let's bring Jeff on in here. Make the sale. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. We're so glad to have you here, Ben. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So, obviously, I know who you are. I know who you are really, really well because, in full disclosure, we both work at Vision 33. But yes. for all of our audience out there, the viewers, listeners, wherever they are, explain what's your background, your experience? What are you a subject matter expert in? <laughs> Uh, subject matter expert. We'll get to that in a few minutes. So my background um, really starts in sales going back to around, oh goodness gracious, almost almost my adult life. Uh, I was in retail sales doing electronics and cell phones. 
back at the uh, you know back in sort of the the, the mid to, to late nineties. Back when you needed a to, degree for cell phone sales. Back when I needed, yeah, back when selling cell phones was actually very difficult to do. Right. Um, you know, a funny story um, about that, and, and sort of just how things have changed so much. It was Christmas time, and I was selling cell phones um, in Bellevue, uh, Washington. Yeah. And I was with a company uh, that was was essentially um, purchased by Best Buy. I don't know, twenty years ago, but at the time. It was this up and coming startup uh, or this upcoming soft or um, uh, retail company. And we had people coming in to buy cell phones and it was just like Christmas time and there was no, no stopping them. So you had people coming in, there'd be a lineup. I would just grab somebody, make them fill out a paper application, fill in some stuff, throw in some information on the phone, uh, you know, fax it in to uh, AT&T at the time. And then Bats. would send them out the door. And I mean, they were making, oh my goodness, it was, it was crazy. It was hand over fist amount of dollars. But this was just sort of this process from, you know, 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. at night every day, basically for two and a half, three weeks straight. Wow. So that was my introduction to uh, sales. Um, <laughs> I wish it was like that sometimes now. But uh, uh, so, yeah, that was kind of the first of it. I ended up getting into um, hardware technology. And that's kind of what started my run towards where I'm at now. And that was a little bit more business to business mm-hmm. um, with a company um, in, that was going to be this, you know, uh, next big startup back right. in the heyday of 2000 through 2003, 2004. Um, and we burned through $550 million in funding in about four and a half years, primarily through Lucent, um, <laughs> but a number of other companies. And that was the great time of, you know, everybody had an on-site massage therapist in their office. <laughs> you know, it was like food carts everywhere. So it was quite the adventure. Um, and I, I was there basically until they, they pulled the plug and sold the company and uh, and the lights were turned off. Um, wow. and I went to there from there to, uh, yeah, from there to another company that uh, was involved with software. And that started kind of my software run in the early uh, 2000s, um, mid 2000s, was there for a couple of three years, uh, selling uh, message board software, <laughs> and uh, that was unique. <laughs> Had its own sorts of challenges, right? So, um, but uh, was there for kind of the growth of that, and then went to uh, another startup that was competing with Salesforce, and was their top salesperson for three years. Uh, until the CEO and the CFO were uh, indicted on wire fraud (laughs) and funneling funds from the investment firm that was handling sort of the, you know, the startup nature of it. And uh, you've really been on a ride, man. That's that's great. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We came into work one day and they said, uh, uh, I'll leave the names out of it, but they said uh, the CEO and the CFO of, have uh, been arrested yeah. and are currently being processed for wire fraud. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, what? You know, of course, what we heard from the investment firm was that all business will continue. Yeah. We have a roadmap, a strategy going forward. And I think we lasted maybe another month uh, before we were, you know, shuttled into the one of the office, the, co- the uh, office uh, rooms. And they said, uh, you know, the 50 of you that are in here, uh, you can turn in your badges and your laptops. We are uh, shutting the company down. Wow. So and you did this three or four rounds. Yeah. You, you have a history of writing it out to the very end with companies, it seems like. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, I've learned a lot from that. <laughs> I've learned sort of, you know, I think the nature of how I, how, you know, I, I handle sales now and how I handle sort of working at the company we both work at, uh, I'm, I've become much more loyal uh, mm-hmm. in a way uh, to companies that I've found that have worked very well for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, I have, we can talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, you, 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 you were going stuff. on the, uh, the heyday of uh, hardware, software, message boards. Yeah. I'm never going to let yeah. you live the message board one, Dad, man. That's funny. No, no. I, if, I, if I keep count of this, I think it was one, two. Actually, there was a, there was a company I worked at between that startup uh, that went out of business and currently Vision 33. There was a company in the middle there that I was with for a year. 
not even a year, maybe six months until I uh, started um, here with Vision 33 that I think um, lasted. I was there for basically about a year, I guess it was. And they essentially, they were an ERP uh, CRM company and they went out of business. So uh, if I count in the last, let's call it the last 20 years, that's probably three companies that have I've worked for this business <laughs> that were sort of startup in nature. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, Vision took a chance with you, and you've been there for what ten years? You've been there for a long time. Yeah, it's ten years. Yeah. 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 yeah Absolutely. And that that's pretty rare these days. I think, especially for salespeople. I mean, they usually get the bug probably two, three, four years, and they move. Yeah. And that's one thing I like about Vision is just you know they kind of have the loyalty. It seems going both ways, and I think that's really rare for most employers today. Yeah, I, I think that's what's kind of kept me here in some aspects. Obviously, uh, my boss, who you know um is is a great man and we i've been fortunate to work for him and have a great relationship with him and and just be able to be honest with him Mm -hmm. but i think that is true i sort of look at software as you know every year is like you know two dog years so it's sort of like every year in software is like 14 years in real life so uh you know the nature of the industry is to you know to to be somewhere and then you don't make a number for a couple months and you're out the door. And mm-hmm. I, I find that it's just absolutely horrible uh, to have to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it many, many times and to, to be on the backside of it's, yeah. you know, it's a challenge that nobody really wants to go through in any industry that you're in, yep. uh, you know, sales specifically, I think we all kind of relate to that. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on. I, I brought you on, not because we both work at Vision 33, but I brought you on because I, I, I know you, I know your sales ability. I know uh, I knew some of your your background as far as coming up in sales. And on this show, we really like to highlight uh, a couple of different things. One, the individual, you know, who is Jeff? What was, you know, what can people learn from you as a person? Sure. But two, I wanted you to bring in here because ERP tech doesn't matter what you're selling right now. It's a rapidly evolving world and we have new challenges yep. in the sales world that I really wanted to talk yep. to somebody about to kind of see yep. how you're changing, adopting, pivoting to make this all work. So, right. I mean, right. what, what, first off, let's start at a high level. What are you seeing out there as far as some trends that companies are facing and then how you're trying to meet those needs for those companies right now? Sure. I think a lot of what we see is sort of this uh, this perspective from a customer, from an employer, from mm-hmm. a business is how do I maintain my customers, let alone try to just get new customers in the door. So we're starting to see, at least I'm starting to see this trend where uh, businesses are trying to, to secure the customers they have through technology. And so right. what we're seeing is sort of the adoption of different ways the businesses can communicate without sort of the day-to-day phone call interactions that they might have. Right. It's hard enough to figure out where, you know, who to call, where to call. If you call into a business, you know, where is it being routed to? Are right. people here? Are they there? Did, um, they, so, did the company reroute the office lines to the cell phones for the work from home people? That's a struggle right, right now. It's hard to get up. Yeah. If you're calling office phones, it's sometimes hard to get in touch with people because the, the companies yeah. don't have the right yeah. system set up that will allow them to forward the calls. Yeah, and you could be calling someone and it could end up going to, you know, by chance you're looking for for Mike and you end up with Debbie and Debbie's in a completely different part in a completely different mm-hmm. aspect of the business. And they're like, I, I don't know. I have no, I'm just getting phone who's calls. Mike? I'm not quite sure. He, he's who, Yeah, who's Mike, right? right? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, that, that aspect is, is troublesome, but it's just, the relationship that you as a business have with your uh, with your customer. How do you maintain that? How do you interact with that? And so what we're seeing, or at least what I'm seeing is, businesses are trying different things. For example, portals to maintain the relationship with their customers, making it easier for their customers to be able to get, uh, to interact with them. So, uh, you know, I have a customer, I want them to be able to communicate with me. How do I, you know, what phone number do they call? Well, instead, let's send them to some sort of a portal where they can self-service their business needs, uh, you know, interact directly with us via 
uh, you know, this electronic method. Now, I think that's a lot more of what we're starting to see. Right. What, what I'm thinking, though, too, and again, I'm thinking of this in terms of what I deal with my day, my daily life with Vision 33, um, is that there's a huge difference, though, between like a base customer, a customer that you have already acquired, could be three months, it could be 30 years that you've had this customer and continuing that relationship compared to sure. a brand new customer or right. a prospect that you're trying to bring on. Yeah, We, do, we yeah. have an episode yeah. that uh, is going to publish right now with Todd Silligram. Uh It's tomorrow's episode, actually, so that dates when we're recording this. But with that, <laughs> he says, hey, my biggest struggle, because he has a tech entertainment tech startup for this awesome video technology, is... I can't network. There's only so much I could do over a Zoom call. Right. right uh, and it's right, hard to build a correct. relationship off of Zoom calls. I mean, do you run into yeah. that barrier at all? Is it a barrier? Yeah, I, I don't think it's so much a barrier. I, I see the point of not being able to, to network, right? The idea of, you know, as we're both sitting here drinking coffee, <laughs> the idea of being able to go and have a coffee side chat with somebody that, for the most part, is, I think, out the, out the door right now, unless you're in a geographic area that lends itself to that, hey, I, you know, I'm down the street, let's go get a coffee at, you know, the local coffee house, and yeah, we'll sit six feet apart, or we'll sit outside, but we can at least communicate. A lot of that stuff, I think, is out the window for now. I don't see, you know, maybe two years from now, we'll be back to that. But in terms of just the overall interaction with customers, I've actually found it to be much easier. Um, Why the that? business that I've been able to close, the business that I've been able to close has been more focused and I think more organized in terms of, yeah, we're socially distanced, but we know what we're here for. We have a purpose and we want to get something in place that allows us to, to expand our business. So it seems to be much more of this focused discussion or this focused energy as opposed to, well, yeah, we're not quite sure. Uh, maybe we'll look at something. Maybe we won't. We're kind of kicking the tires. It seems to be for for me at least. People are like, yes, we're struggling. We need something now. We don't have a lot of time to kind of dilly dally around. We want to get forward and get something done and get something purchased and and, and get going. Right. I've that's what I've found. So I've actually think it's a little bit easier in terms of that direct, so, uh, you know, connection, that direct focus. Right. So let me ask a question. When you sold pre-pandemic, were you doing mostly yeah. remote sales or were you doing uh, in person? When I was selling in LA, yeah, I was, I was 99% yeah. of the time, I was going to be 90% of the meetings in person because locality was easy for me to go. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was probably 70, 30 that okay. I was on site. I would try to, you know, group things together and do the, you yeah. know, the road trip, but I'm going to schedule some stuff into Oregon. I'll do three or four appointments in Oregon. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the least part of the introductory process would be, you know, a quick phone call with a prospect mm -hmm. to kind of just get right. an assessment of what's going on with them. That second meeting was always in person and it right. was always much more focused. But I think in terms of the overall number of appointments that I've seen, to get to a close of a transaction has gone down with a customer. That's what um, I was it's, getting it's, to ask because yeah. I was going to ask if yeah. now that you're doing everything, essentially you're what? 99.99% remote, if not a hundred right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If yeah. doing it digitally, if it's actually been a benefit because you do less touch points. Uh, yes, I would say so. And the focus of the emails, the focus of the conversation, even using things like text messaging, has become much more of a, 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 a thing for me in terms of direct communication with my contacts and my prospects. Okay. So now when you're talking with it, though, I mean, with, with, with a customer, I mean, trying a lot of people are in sales businesses where it's driven by quarter end close, maybe month end close, <laughs> like say you sell cars or something like sure. that. Um, with that, has your attitude changed though with these past two quarters being the end of quarter one, end of quarter two? Now we're at the end of quarter three as far as how sure. hard you push. I mean, does that did that change at all? Yeah, it actually hasn't. Uh, and I've never really, I think the last four or five years of my career, I've really sort of gone away from that end of quarter push. Right. Uh, what I think I've found is that, you know, if I present a product that is compelling and it fits within the requirements that I've been able to explain 
you know, what it is the product will do for them and how it will solve their needs. That whole, you know, pressure of being out the door, I think has gone away. I'm not a big fan of it. I think it really doesn't mm-hmm. lead to successful implementations, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether you're, you know, selling a car or you are selling, uh, you know, real estate property or, you know, some sort of technology. I don't think that push really does anything. I think it can frustrate the buyer. Um, I think it leads for, uh, you know, poor communication. Ultimately, then it just looks as though we're trying to get a product out the door. Uh, and then when I you go later I, on to engage with I, I think it's a little cheesy. I mean, I've always felt like, yeah. oh, your discounts are going to expire. Now, I, I, yeah. I think with us, we've seen that a little bit more, but that's because we do have some firm discounts from software publishers that they're like, hey, this is sure. until sure. So we do yeah. have a little bit of that. That's true. But I think in normal times, customers kind of see through it. And the way that I've yeah. done it is I structured the deal by the customer's timeline. Like, hey, look, you right. say you want to be live by, I don't know, March 1st, okay? To do that, yeah. this is the timeline. Everything needs to be done by, and we need to start the implementation process. And I just try to hold right. them accountable to that. Uh, and that's been... Yeah successful. I mean, obviously I build it around quarter ends or whatever we need, but I I build that timeline with that in mind. I mean, what do you think of, of that approach? You think it's the same thing or it's, you think it's smoother? Uh, I think, I think each approach kind of works better for the person who's doing it. And my, my, my feeling on this is that you do things a little bit differently than I do. I do things much differently than other people do that I've seen kind of come and go. That's a great point. You have to adapt what's what's best for you. Right. So I rather would rather be much open with much more open to customer and say, Hey, I've got this amount of room to mm-hmm. work with. I will give you that room. Um, but I'm not going to drop from that and I'm not going to play a competitive price game of like, well, okay, you're just trying to shop me to get my price down. I'd rather just say, look, I'm open. Here's what it is. I want to get your product. I think it will work well for you. I'd rather have you cross all your, you know, your T's and dot your I's. And whether that's, you know, the, the 30th of November, or the 1st of October, mm-hmm. whatever date works for you, you know, I want that to be the goal. I want you to be 100% ready, uh, willing to go forward in this deal and start the process on your timeline so that they don't come to me and say, right. well, we didn't really, you know, you pushed me into this product and I didn't get quite all the discovery that I needed on it. And so now I'm like, it doesn't really work. <laughs> and so there's always this, you know, this push forward and then this pain on the backside. Right, I'd rather right. get everything off the table to start with. No, you, and, you, you, you know, you, if it, it's a timeline. You bring up an extremely important point. And when I moved from LA to Philly to run our Northeast region out here, I mean, that was one of the first things that I personally had to accept, you know, what works for me isn't going to work necessarily for my sales reps. Each person in sales, I mean, sales is a relationship game. And I think a lot what the individual has to do with it and what works for me won't work for you. Maybe what works for me will work for you, but it's got to be modified for your personality as far as what you can actually do. And, and, that's critical. I want to pivot a little yeah. bit as far as prospecting, finding. Let me let me let oh, me touch. Let me go back real quick on this. Let me one one quick thing. Yeah. So, I, you know, my background. I think uh, there's probably several people that watch this are very formally trained in sales. Mm-hmm. They've read the books. They've gone through the courses. They've done the Zig Ziglar's. They've kind of gone through all these specific classes and uh, you know to improve their stuff. I actually come from the process of, or the background of, I don't know if I've, I've maybe read one sales book in my entire life. Uh, I've maybe done one course in my entire life. Um, but everything I've learned in terms of sales, whether it's, uh, you know, software, hardware, even real estate, mm-hmm. I have a background in real estate, um, always comes from the perspective of the relationship with a person and just being open oh, and yeah. kind and honest you know, don't try to push things on people, let them decide on their own times. I've always found that to be more successful. Um, you know, my wife had promised me when I was doing real estate and had my broker's license and stuff like that and said, don't ever put, uh, this was specific to, uh, you know, a, a certain group of buyers, but it was don't ever put 
you know, someone into a house that you wouldn't put your sister or family member right. into, right? And so I looked at it and I go, I'm going to treat that person uh, as a way I would treat. That's almost you know, like the golden rule, my sister. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. What is it? Do unto so, others as others as you would have done yeah, to you. Exactly. Yeah. So that that that's so, that's an amazing point. I love that. It's the same thing. Yeah, and it's the same thing. No matter, I think, whatever industry you're in, or just in, you know, in general. Um, yeah, there yeah, you go. There's my you know, my theology lesson. No, no, no. That, that's great. And and before I go on to that next topic, now I want to bring up something. I have sure. never read any sales books or classes either sales has always been an art a craft and it's been about the personal connection and it's yeah. just something i've discovered at a young age i was good at yeah. now i have read two books uh one was forced on me by someone who worked for xerox in the 70s and he's like you've got to reach um what is it i have it right here yet it's spin selling so I, okay. I read that and it was like, okay, I get it, whatever. But then on my own, I was bored and I started experimenting with audiobooks. And it, it was that good of a book that I actually bought the hardcover, which was Jeffrey Gittimer's Little Red Book of Selling. But yeah, okay. when I read yeah. that with his 12.5 principles, it was like, dude, I'm already doing every single one. Yeah, this is maybe yeah. a little bit more finer tuned, but yeah. I've done every single one of them. And I think the biggest takeaway that I got, and this actually goes into the next question that I wanted to ask you, was <laughs> what's the best way to get more customers and you know to get more leads? And yeah. the answer Boy. is free speech. Getting out yeah, there, yeah. speaking, you know, going to your yeah. local community groups, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be the big stage. You go out there, you're yeah. speaking at a a um, chamber of commerce event, let's say, okay? People are going to already assume, well, he's vetted, he's got to be an expert or he won't be here, you know? And it sure. already gives right. you that that blue check mark. Uh, that yep. you're validated. And if what you speak about, if you're in the right audience, I mean, you're going to have people coming to you because I often view networking as almost like finding needles in a haystack. It's hard. Sure. And absolutely. if you can turn yeah, that around is. to where you're speaking or hosting a podcast like Shark Bite Piz, then instead <laughs> of looking for those little needles, you're bringing all those needles to you because they're listening to you and they know the expert you are. What do you think about that? Correct. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, I would agree. I think, you know, just being known as an industry expert, uh, it doesn't matter the field, automatically draws people to you. Right. Right. If you put passion and energy into something like you might do with the podcast or your guitar playing. Oh, right? yeah. Um, people, people naturally gravitate to you and want to come to you. Uh, as that subject matter expert, mm -hmm. which ultimately then leads to additional, you know, additional leads and connections and resources and what have you. I love wine. Um, I have, you know, one of the, the, the things we were able to do is boxed my wife wine. and I, um, boxed wine. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the big, the big gallo jug that you would, with the handle that you would put your finger. Yeah, there, there right? you the go. Pop yeah. So, um, you know, one of the fortunate things my wife and I've been able to do is put in a wine cellar in our house. And so, uh, I enjoy wine. I, you know, I like to partake of wine. I like to talk about wine. I like to shop for wine, you know, I like to taste. And so people naturally, when they see you or when they see me kind of, uh, you know, talk about wine and see kind of just that enjoyment I get out of it, start, you know, we'll be somewhere and they'll, they'll hear me talking. They'll be like, Oh, well, what do you recommend for this? Or what do you think about that? Oh, yeah. I don't have a trained background in it, right? But it's a passion and it's something. And sort of the same thing you're talking about, uh, being an expert, uh, you know, lending credibility to an industry or to, to being able to be known as something that you enjoy, uh, natural will bring in leads or contacts or opportunities or wh mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Now, how do you think, okay, so we've already talked about getting out there, speaking and getting that type of exposure. Outside of that, what other ways is a sales rep able to broaden his image or her image, their image, yeah. to look like a, the, the true subject matter expert they are? Because... Like sure. here, here, here's an example. 
with our company, I use it because it's low hanging fruit, for examples right now. Um, with our company, if we have sales rep A and maybe sales rep, sales rep A has been in the business for 30 years and people that work with that sales rep, like one of the best experts they know, but no one outside of that circle really knows who they are, you know, outsiders looking in. Mm-hmm. How can you yeah. broaden that perception? Well, I think it's about, you know, it's about, to me, it's about content. So it's about getting information mm-hmm. out um, and sort of tying back to what you were saying before, which is being a subject matter expert uh, and, you know, and having this podcast. Not everybody can have a podcast. Not everybody, you can, uh, you know, has, has David's time and energy to, uh, to run a podcast. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it's really just about, I think, being an expert in your company, mm-hmm. being an expert for me, uh, I, I built relationships with um, consulting firms and individuals outside the company because I feel that if they can find the prospects that I can't get to, they're connected. Uh-huh. And you know, if you think of the world or the U.S. as this, you know, and you you know, think let's say you have a territory of eight or nine states, it's almost impossible to recover all those states. Right. Especially now, you're not flying, you're not communicating right. as, as well, being on site, face to face. You you know, I've developed these contacts that are uh, consultants in these industries and these areas. And they will bring us the opportunities. They'll bring me the opportunities and say, hey, I've got this. I think it's a good fit for you. You know, it's a $150 million opportunity. Um, what do you think? And so it's kind of about putting, you know, geographic individuals out there for you to kind of mine that and bring that back. That's the way I've approached it. Mm-hmm. Some of my biggest deals have been that way um, rather than just trying to, you know, incessantly, you know, cold call, which unfortunately you can't. It's harder to do right now anyway. Uh, Are you a fan? I mean, even if, okay, let's take the pandemic out. Cold calling. Are you a fan of modern day cold calling or is that something that is of the past? I think traditional cold calling, uh, picking up a phone is, I think, dead. Even cold emailing or warm emailing or some sort of introductory email um, outside of, you know, letting a marketing team handle it where you're, you know, you're blasting out, let's say a thousand, you know, mm-hmm. emails to, to, cause you've done the data, you've mined the data, you've found out that these people fit this type of, you know, geographic area and mm-hmm. this type of business. And they've been busy on this website and they've contacted that. That's great. You have all that, all the analytics there to be able to reach out to those people. And that's probably very efficient mm-hmm. to send out, you know, a thousand emails that way. But, the, you know, the idea of, hey, you've got to dial so many people, you know, 60 people a day, right. you know, you've got to send out 60 emails a day. I think that at least in this in, in this time of, of, of things, I think is a little bit of a, a, a thing of the past. I've never been very good at cold calling. Nope. Part okay. of my first gig was inside sales calling and... I, you know, I did okay, but it was generally very sporadic my, and we didn't have data. It was a little pick up a phone and yeah. maybe this looks like a fit. Maybe it doesn't, right? Based on a yellow page. So my first sales um, job was uh, doing Foot Locker when I was, well, my first job was working in a restaurant dishwasher when I was 14. Second yeah. job was selling yeah. at Foot Locker. That was my first exposure to sales and I killed it. I mean, that uh, Foot Locker was also hot in the 90s too. So that made it really yeah. easy. But then uh, my first real, real sales job where I had to do cold calling was a telemarketing job. I was mm-hmm. 16 17 and i am dialing for dollars for estimates on windows siding and sunrooms wow and you know it was cool i i i was 17 and i made like thirty-five thousand bucks and that's when i realized like i mean i got a little bit arrogant then too um you know (laughs) like hey who needs high school anymore i make it more than most adults do uh you know working out here doing this but that's really when it opened for me. Uh, you know, since that moment, I was not real fond of, of cold calling and I've never been really good at it except for that one moment in life that really broke sure. me into getting sure. into sales. Yeah, yeah. It, cold calling's tough. And I, you know, I respect those people have had to do it. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate at a time when I was doing very, very well at that startup that I'd mentioned that, that was went under for wire fraud. Yeah. I had, we were spending, we were spending a couple hundred thousand dollars a month on lead generation. Yeah. And I was, I was being handed leads, you know, 
hand over fist. And so it was constantly just running from one mm-hmm. demonstration and call to another, back and forth, back. And I loved it because I was busy. Um, but those people were, you know, were dialing 70, 80 calls a day. And that is that is a lot of stress in anybody's yeah. book. I, you know, so hats off to those people. But I think that certainly now I think that is somewhat gone out the window. I just don't see how it's productive. Um, you know, companies, you, one, you don't know if companies viable. Two, mm-hmm. you don't know, sort of know what sort of financial state they're in. Um, three, who do you get in contact with? You can't dial in and say, hey, can I get the CFO? You have to go through LinkedIn and then maybe you can find them through LinkedIn. You can find some back address mm-hmm. or back phone number. And it's kind of the same thing with email. Anything just prospectively dialing in via email or just sending out a blast of an email, uh, you know, on a one-on-one thing, it's just so unproductive. So um, I think having... No, I was going to say, what is the best way to prospect during COVID? Yeah, it's, I think it's relationships. I think it's all relationship driven. Um, You know, it's reaching out to those people that know people that have uh, an ear to the ground, maybe in other areas. Mm -hmm. Um, It's looking at, you know, as we do, trying to find industries that have been successful and then being able to turn around and and at least maybe target email that Mm -hmm. company or those companies and say, hey, we've done you know, distribution for medical supplies very, very well, for example. So we have, I think, something that would fit your industry or fit what you're doing. We've been successful. We can help you improve processes. Right. We can help you become more efficient. That I think is probably the right now the way to do it most efficiently and effectively. Right. So I got I got two questions with that. The the first one is, well, I guess it's not really a question, but I want your take on it. Is that I think a lot of salespeople they forget two things. They forget how powerful their network actually is. And by powerful, I mean that you have a lot of opportunities in your network just from either people themselves or connections to your connections that they know you're an expert, that you'll take care of their friend. They're going to introduce you. But I think that sales reps, just like you know how like uh, when you go through sales training and you're bringing someone on, you always go through the ask for the sale, the ask for the sale part. Sure. I think that applies here that that they forget to ask for the sale, meaning that they for you know they don't reach out to their network and stay in contact like, hey, bring the bring your people, come to me, bring your friends yep. to me. I'm going to take care of them. I mean, do you think that's yeah. true at all? Uh, yes, I do. And in fact, I can kind of give you some concrete examples of, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, you know, where things are at in terms of my world and what I've seen. So our, our you know, part of where we get sales from, where I get sales from has been from, uh, uh, you know, the larger software company. Right. And in the past, we would get three or four leads a month, whatever yeah. it might be. Um, and they were semi-qualified leads. Um, but you never quite knew what was going to be coming down the pipe. That pipe has dried up, right? So that I might get one every three months, two to three months. I think mm-hmm. I've had maybe if I average it out. So that resource is off the table, right? The leads that I have received from them have been, you know, somewhat weak, somewhat scattered. Uh, what has been there has been my network, mm-hmm. right? And if I look at, you know, where I've been the last call it three years, top sales guy at Vision 33. Only because um, I moved to management. You know, <laughs> just let, sure, it, sl- sure. let it slide that. Jeff. Let if it you slide. want to believe that let it slide if you want to believe that um but you know <laughs> you know top salesperson the last two three years there you um go. you know four years whatever it's been that has has really come from uh my business has come from my book of my relationships and it's those people that I've networked with and that I've built the relationships for me that have seen me as a valid, uh, you know, a valid resource, a trusted mm-hmm. resource, somebody who's going to take care of their prospects, someone who knows that if they bring us into the deal, they're going to get straight answers. They're going to get, you know, they're not going to get a line and that the research will be done mm-hmm. to make sure it's a good fit. I'm not going to bring myself into a deal if I don't think it's going to be good for the customer. Yeah. Right. And valid for the customer. So that's where my business has come from. My big deals. Three years ago, three relationships. Two years ago, three relationships. Last year, three relationships. This year, I've sold smaller deals that have, as I mentioned earlier, been more targeted, more focused by the company. So mm-hmm. it's been more about you know the trustworthiness that I've provided. Um, and but there's three or four deals right now that I've been brought into that are massive deals 
that have been brought to me through my relationships with consultants. Are, are, I, and they say, hey, we've got a fit for this. We think you'd be a fit. You tell me we want to bring you in. Yes, let's go. Let's talk about it. Okay. So sidetrack, you just said that you're getting a lot more smaller deals. Now, with the pandemic, whether it's the pandemic, a recession, whatever yep. it is, you know, there's always companies that just go through through the roof during those time periods yep. because they have something that's needed. Yep. So with the pandemic, you have a lot of smaller companies, I think, that maybe got overnight success in in in, in a way because yep. you know they were doing a hundred orders a week online, but because of everything that's happened. Now they're doing a thousand orders a week online and it's yeah. actually excelled their need for digital transformation, whether that be ERP, a Salesforce, you know, whatever it is, the tools in their belt. I mean, is that what you're seeing as well, too? Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, one is related to uh, biotechnology, right. right? And so kind of the COVID response. And while they don't necessarily have a focus of uh, th that wasn't the industry they were going down they deal with genetic manipulation. So being able to look at that and say, okay, we've got genes, we can actually turn that into some sort of a COVID response. That's one of the yeah. things that's come up. The others have been distribution through, you know, uh, natural, uh, you know, natural organic products uh, and or distribution of, uh, you know, supplies kind of dealing to that. So yeah, it's been those, those specific verticals. It hasn't been necessarily, you know, things that are outside like uh -huh. food production or something like that. I mean, although that could be part of it, it, yeah. is, it has been focused. Um, but again, as I mentioned earlier, we're seeing, a, I'm seeing a much more driven focused uh, approach from the customer's perspective to acquiring product than I had in the past. Yeah. Sometimes it'd be this scattered shot where you'd be like, well, we don't really know. Right. Now we know Hey, we've got it. We've got to do because something. they're feeling is, the pain. We're struggling. They're, they're feeling specific yep. pains yep. because of the growth yep. that they're achieving now. So, yeah. Correct. Now that's Correct. pretty cool. Correct. I've got two wrap up questions here because we do got to get heading out. Uh, this has been such a great conversation. Uh, LinkedIn. You mentioned LinkedIn a few minutes ago. Do yep. you feel just as people are having Zoom fatigue, there's a LinkedIn fatigue? I could tell you I'm being hit up more than never. Yeah, yeah, uh, I do. And I've never, LinkedIn to me has been sort of this, I hate to say it, sort of a forced, almost a forced communication method right. where you you have to participate. If you don't, you might be seen as a bad right. salesperson or bad business person, right? But it's, I don't know if I've really ever clearly pulled. I can think of actually one deal that I kind of brought myself into um, that I, I won probably two or three years ago. That's probably three years ago that was related to Zoom where I found out the CFO's name and I was able to reach out to them through LinkedIn and connect and say, hey, FYI, I know that there's this RFP process, this RFP coming down. We're going to participate. I want you to know that I'm actually local right. to where you live. I'm from the town from where <laughs> you're at. So it's really important to me that that you know that we participate, and I think I can really, you know, make your business hum. That's probably been one successful thing that got me a deal was sort of that building that relationship with the CFO. Outside of that, um, you know, a lot of what you get if if you get a response, maybe it's one out of ten times yeah. you might get a yeah, I'm not interested, thanks. So all the communication platforms and methods like that are, I think at least in this day and age, have kind of, in a way, worn themselves out. Uh -huh. Just, again, reaching out and trying to, to, to not spam, but just cold blast somebody because they're in an industry or because they're at a company. I think it's easier almost nowadays to go back to the original form of sales, or at least maybe it will be once we kind of get there, which is a little bit more of that, just stop in and do an introduction of right. yourself, right? Kind of put yourself out there and make yourself more uh, personable and more personal and not so not a robot, you know, I just, I have to go through this process. Right. I'm not so a robot. Exactly. So if it's this, that's really interesting that you say that because my strategy, and this has been my strategy for like ever. Okay. I'll have I, LinkedIn, a lot of connections and I'm connected with people, but I don't think that's really a good place maybe to get an intro, but not to really build a, a deep relationship. So when there is somebody, and this could be a customer or it could be 
more than likely it's going to be a partner of some sort, a, a referral partner, somebody that I can yeah. think of like, hey, we could actually be friends and we have some business synergy. I get them onto my Facebook yeah. account because yeah. I want them to know me, the individual David Strausser. You see my family, yeah. you know, to know like, hey, this yeah. dude's legit. He knows what he's talking about. He's, yeah. you know, pretty transparent. And that, that's been yeah. my strategy. Have you done that at all? To that degree? Um, not to the degree you have, but I, you brought up something I think is very important. That's the transparency. Mm -hmm. And I think just, you know, being, you know, as I mentioned, being open and just being, you know, forthcoming what your intentions are. Uh, it's almost like, it's almost like, you, you know, you're going to go on the first date and you have to go meet the parents. Yeah. And so it's almost that old school approach where you're like, you know, here's my intentions for tonight. Here's what I would like to, you know, I'd like to take, you know, uh, you know, your son or daughter too. This is what I, you know, this is what I, what we're going to do and sort of put that trustworthiness, you know, onto the parents. Like, okay, great. Good person. I want them to, uh -huh. I want them to see me as this person that they can trust. They can feel that I have their best intent. Um, because ultimately that's going to, you know, we talked about relationship, that's going to drive more business to you down the road, right? right? If it's this snake oil approach, yeah, you might get a deal, but then they're going to blast other people and say, Oh my goodness. I, you know, I can't, I can't imagine that for those people, for example, like real estate or automobiles right. where you are selling, uh, you're selling yourself uh, as much you are a product. Um, and I guess that's true to the case for any yeah. sales, but you know, I think about, you know, um, real estate where that transaction you have with that one buyer can drive so many more three, four or five additional clients, mm -hmm. right? It's all about, that relationship in that industry. And it really needs to be the same, I think, in any sort of sales. Oh, yeah, right? Definitely. It's not and, it's and not word, word travels faster now. So yeah. if you're not a true sales person, like telling the truth, you, you, you do a little bit of snake oil, something shady, that word's going to travel pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's that what's the old adage where they say, um, you know, for every one good, you know, review you, you get, there's probably 10 others that are negative right. that don't post. Right. So if, if you know, you get that one, you know, there are others out there that are not necessarily positive. You want to try, you want to try to reduce yeah. that, you know, that difference, right. You want the 10 positive and the one negative right, you want to turn right. that around. So, and I think that's where ultimately relationships and, um, you know, trying to, to, to not necessarily just be, uh, you, you know, the sales guy, but try to be the person first is ultimately, I think, the best approach. Yeah, for definitely, anything, definitely. Right. And so we do got to get rolling. I have one last open ended question for you. What sure. words of advice do you have for small business owners, sales executives out there that are struggling to adopt with the digital transformation that's needed for them to actually close deals? Yeah, I, I think for those companies out there, find a trusted advisor. Uh, find a company that you or a person you feel that you can work with and learn from. Um, there's a lot of resources. And unfortunately, a lot of the resources out there, it's almost like, uh, you know, political jargon in that you're going to hear so many different oh, things. Yeah. Uh, half of your know, quarter of which is probably accurate. The rest is probably yep. not. Uh, you know, for businesses, I would say, you know, get out there, find, you know, talk to people, find some trusted resources. I don't know it, it, because it seems like every independent, uh, you know, resource outside of a, maybe a few individuals probably are not really uh, independent, right? So it's all about sort of a marketing slant, but get out there and just, and, 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 and talk to yep. someone, right? Get someone that you can understand, that you, can, that you feel has your best intent at heart and can give you some, some guidance. I know it sounds weird at heart, <laughs> but uh, you know, if you're going to buy a car, you want to go buy a car from the person that seems to be the most knowledgeable, not the guy that's saying, right. hey, what's it going to take to get your business today, yep. right? So it's kind of that same thing. You don't want to buy necessarily for someone who's like, hey, I've got a deal and this deal is the best deal in the world and you have to buy in the next, where are we at? The 20 something right now in the next seven days. Yep. If you don't, the deal is gone, right? You don't want that. You want the, hey, the group, the company. And I, I think for software, I've been, I think that's part of the reason I've stayed at Vision 33 has been, uh, you know, it's not necessarily about timelines and deadlines. Yes, there are deals to be had, but it's never been about that. It's always been, hey, when you're ready to buy, 
you know, if if we got the right product, we'd love to sell it to you. Right. Yes, you don't want to push them away itself. as well, too. That's what I think right. you have right. to right. remember because there's so many people out of necessity right now. They're pushing yeah. so hard to try to close deals. And realistically, yeah. they're pushing them away where it's like, hey, look, if you can yeah. wait, you know, another week, you're going to get it. It's really hard because you have to balance getting them off the street, sure. getting the deal closed because yeah. – Anything could happen the longer it lingers out there, but right. you have to have you, that you relationship. Up, yeah, you brought up a point earlier in which you said, hey, you, you try to backload the deal and you say, right, well, if your goal is this date, there's my hand on the there. Yeah. If the goal is this date, you have to be able to start here because if you don't start on this date, then you're not gonna get your timeline. Yeah. So we know what that ultimate timeline is. Okay, I don't really care what order we do things in here in the middle. But we ultimately know there's a there's a, a date a drop dead date that we have yeah. to hit. I I don't care if it's this month, next month, or the month after that. We just want you to get to that date, and we want you to feel comfortable with who yeah. we are. I think ultimately for the sales guy, you, you asked a question about how does a salesperson kind of go through yeah. this. I think it's just more so about you know there's so much kind of in the environment, mm-hmm. right? Everything from murder hornet bees to mm-hmm. what I hear the other day about vampire bats possibly <laughs> coming to fires and you know hurricanes and covid and it's such a stressful stressful time for companies and stressful for most salespeople. just be you know it's like be that kind honest salesperson that you know you can be where you 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 know you know that the business is going through a lot you're going through a lot be open and honest and i think that's ultimately probably the best approach for oh yeah no that's solid words of advice from mr jeff strand jeff how can all our fabulous viewers get in touch with you? Uh, you can uh, reach me <laughs> phone prop. Well, do I want to get my phone number? Uh, email is probably okay, best. Email. Uh, it, yeah, in this case, uh, email probably is best. You can do jeffstrand at yahoo.com. Uh, that's uh, my personal first name, last name at yahoo.com. Uh, ultimately, for those that are kind of involved with the Vision 33 side uh, or on the software side here, uh, Jeff.strand at vision33.com. Uh, yeah, and also. I'll make sure in the descriptions on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, everywhere we are, we'll have Absolutely. it right Absolutely. there. And you're going to get so much spam mail. You're going to love me. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I love it. You need Excited. more spam mail in your Yahoo account, right? If, if it's for deals on wine, I'll be probably very happy <laughs> oh, There you go. It. There we go. Hey, Jeff, this was great. I would love to have you back here maybe six months from now, three months, six months, something like sure. that. Absolutely. Let's see what the new normal in sales looks like then Absolutely. and talk about the differences from that. If we all survive COVID, yeah. and we're not, uh, you know, we're, we're the nice thing about this is we're mask free. I feel like I can communicate with someone without a mask on, which is yeah, absolutely it great. Is. You, you should do more podcast interviews with me. I know <laughs> I should, David. It's been great. Yeah, pleasure. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Take care, man. Take care. Bye-bye. So how many deals did you close during the course of that interview? <laughs> Sales never sleeps, right? Jeff is an amazing character, as I said earlier. I really love talking with him on his insight on sales and strategy and and all that good stuff. And I look forward to also bringing many more sales experts in on this Shark Bite Biz podcast over the next few months to talk about the sales process as a whole, but at a much detailed level as we get into the new norm of what this post-coronavirus life is going to look like. Any sales rep or business executive out there will tell you, I mean, you, you all already know, communication is key. Communication is also one of the hardest hit things right now. I mean, yeah, you can email, you can shoot a text message, but you all know they get taken out of context or misconstrued so easily. You say one thing where they think that you mean another thing and bam, you're losing a deal or on the brinks of losing a deal. It's kind of tough and now instead of doing the in-person meeting greets i mean we're, we're doing video chats and your customers maybe they don't fire up their cameras maybe they're one of those audio only type people 
And let's be truthful. I mean, it's really hard to replicate that in-person meet-and-greet feel, giving them the same warm and fuzzies as when you're on site or in a restaurant or a bar or a show or wherever you're at with your, your contact. It's hard to replicate that over a cold video chat. You know, it's hard to make that cold video chat warmer. God forbid you get somebody on the call that doesn't know how to use the darn mute button. It's like, my God, it's 2020. You press the button, you're muted. You unpress the button, you're unmuted. Some people just don't get it. And, you know, it surprises me, but... I, people are getting better with it. It's not too bad. I guess maybe a couple years ago it would probably be worse, but you still run into it, and it makes me chuckle every time I see it. What really drives me nuts is when you get people, their videos or their audio is just cutting out because they have really bad home internet quality, and that really just stinks because you're trying to do a sales pitch, and it's like, you know, the people are oh, that's the hardest. And, you know, if they're muting or dropping out every 10 seconds, I mean, that is challenging. How do you get around that to be able to sell the deal? If you were in person, you never would have had to deal with those challenges. And you've got to think about it from the sales rep perspective, okay? You're a sales rep. You go out, you're selling a product. Eventually, after you demo, you know, you usually run into the rebuttal phase of everything. And that's where it's like, uh, you know, I don't like this or so-and-so said that and blah, blah, blah. You get into that phase of the game. And when you get into that phase of the game, I mean, you kind of have to think communication is, is just part of this, too. It's one of those gaps that you're going to have to bridge. You're going to have to figure out. How can you make communication not a challenge in this sales cycle? How can you get past this without making, oh my God, you know, we've got to do another video chat with this guy. It's, ugh. you don't want to be dreading it, you know, use it for your key. And it's hard because everybody's technological skill set varies. And then maybe they're really good at Zoom, but you're using Microsoft Teams or God forbid, Skype for business or something like that. And they're not good. There's always a learning curve. And it, it, it's just tough. But I mean, you all you all get it, though, too. But on top of that, I mean, you have to be more conscious of your customer as well, too. You have to know your customer and build that personal relationship. That's going to help you try to eliminate some of these communication hurdles that you're going to run into. You also got to be more conscious of your customer too. Maybe their business doing great, but perhaps their work from life home is not doing good. Maybe it's just really stressful for them. There's a lot of things going on and, you know, it could just be that they're just very distracted because their kids keep talking to them. There is a million X factors out there. And that's why I really think sales these days, if you could sum it up in one word, it's going to be patience. You need to have the patience to figure out the, the communication hurdles, the work from home hurdles, you know, all these new challenges that you didn't have before so that you could build the warm and fuzzies with your customer. Understanding those are going to be really the key of closing deals, I think, right now. And then, you know, a lot of other stuff, like Jeff was saying, as far as, you know, your voice tone, stuff like that, that all goes into play. That comes into being conscious of your customer and really having the patience to figure out how to understand them. So that was a great chat with Jeff, right? I love talking with Jeff about sales and sales philosophy, and it's really one of my favorite items to discuss with him. So what do you think? How have you changed your sales methodology to account for all those X factors out there that we are all experiencing during the pandemic? Leave a comment on the YouTube channel. Let's discuss. Let's get some good conversation going. I'd love to hear what you all are doing. 
And please make sure you all visit our Shark Bite Biz store on Teespring. You can find the link down in the description of the video. And we've got some awesome gear there, like this wonderful coffee mug. We've got some shirts, sweatshirts, doggy sweaters. Everybody wants a doggy sweater. Make sure you get it there. You're going to help out the channel. But if you really want to help out the channel, make sure you smash that subscribe button. Hit that like button. And do me a favor. This week, the challenge, let's share this video as much as we can out there on LinkedIn. Make everybody aware of Shark Bite Biz and how we're helping businesses grow during this global pandemic. So thank you all again for watching. My name is David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and I'll see you again next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.